Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Shine Louise Houston. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. Yes. <laughs> that's good. God, that's more... <laughs> Uh, that's the, it's the little things right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today is June 24th, 2020. And the episode that everybody is about to hear, I think I'm going to release it in two parts. The episode that you're about to hear is a conversation that Shine and I had, you know, we recorded it remotely over the phone on May 11th, 2020. And at the time, you know, besides the themes of talking about, Crash Pad series and Pink and White and all of Shine's porn filmmaking projects, as well as the topic of voyeurism. We had plenty to talk about with what we were experiencing with the COVID crisis. We were about like two months into quarantine in the United States at the time. And then on May 25th, police officers in Minneapolis murdered George Floyd. Yeah. Also part of what has galvanized this moment was the murder of Breonna Taylor. And you know, mm -hmm. and truly, yeah. so many people are analyzing and speculating right now on how certain people become icons and certain people, you know... Like it's one one injustice too many, and and people can't can't take it. And it's obviously like we need to say everyone's name. And I hope that you know there have just been have been too many black and indigenous and people of color in this country and around the world, like in this generation and in history, have lost their lives because of these corrupt institutions. And since then, we have seen this enormous cultural shift. I, I just, I feel like even that is like an understatement of like what has been happening in the past month. But we, there has unquestionably been uh, an enormous cultural shift towards the cause of the movement for black lives. And as I was editing our episode in preparation for releasing it, I just really wanted to get you back on the phone and ask if you want to say like whatever the fuck you want to say about the protests and Black Lives Matter and the mic is yours, Shine. Thanks. Um, and thanks for having me back to, like, to talk about all this stuff. Um, and to be quite honest, uh, I usually do not speak publicly about like racial issues or anything like that. Like even with friends I still steer away from like uh racial or political um conversations obviously with my partner that's cool but like with most people I would say like 90% of people um I just don't uh just because you know 
in earlier years have had conversations that were so frustrating that I wanted to punch people in the face. Obviously I didn't, but you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's a difficult, um, topic, uh, you know, um, but it is interesting, you know, I mean, I grew up, uh, eighties, nineties and, you know, I remember watching live <laughs> everything burning um, after Rodney King. Yeah, I remember that too. And maybe it's because, you know, all I had was the news, but there didn't seem to be uh, much of a unification. There was still an othering about the people who were protesting. Mm. Um, and over the years, obviously, things blow up again and, uh, you know, people are outraged and this and that. And um, quite honestly, I, I, I feel like, you know, every time it happens, it's just like, you know, like another mass shooting. It's just thoughts and prayers, mm. um, kind of like token legislature and things like that. And in the meantime, you know, we've watched the police get more and more militarized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things just get really continue to get even more nutty. Um, so it's interesting what's happening this time. And I don't know if it's because, you know, we've had, uh, <laughs> you know, almost four years of the orange Cheeto and all the racial tension that that has brought, um, I think a combination of, you know, organizing through social media um, and maybe, it, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, people are just ready to face themselves. Um, uh, because something is happening that I haven't seen before. Uh, maybe other people have seen it, but I haven't experienced it before. Where, you know, non-people of color... Uh, are recognizing and stating quite specifically uh, how they have upheld or benefited from a system um, that is just rife with uh, racial bias. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think we're all in new territory. And, you know, I can also, from... (laughs) funny tweets and things on Facebook, I I think also new territory for for allies. And I think maybe it's also a confusing time for for allies, you know, because you have half the people saying just like, shut up and listen. But you have the other half saying like, no, speak up and speak out. Use your privilege. Confusion is good for white people. Confusion is good for allies of any kind. And uh, right now it's like, I think confusion is a good sign. (laughs) That things are changing. Exactly. You know, we're at a point where things are rewriting themselves. Like the narration is in, uh, what is it? The zero game in chess. You know, you've played all these moves. In chess, you get to a point where nobody has made this move before. Huh. Do you know, there's like the first move, which is like, you know, it's millions of people have done this move. And then you get further and farther and farther into the game and you get to the point where you're in like nobody has made this move in this combination mm. on this chessboard ever. And I feel like we're getting close to that. Hopefully, as I'm seeing 
things pop up in different states, um, you know, like uh, the qualified immunity. I can't remember which state, but they just knocked that down um, for, for police officers. Mm-hmm. That means that now you're liable if you have a suit, like, you know, your, your union's not going to take care of it. You are financially liable. <laughs> you know, if you're in trouble, we're not going to cover you anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, in San Francisco, uh, now we have uh, basically police aren't going to respond to non-criminal calls. So if you just have somebody hanging out or if you have somebody who's having a health crisis, they're not going to send somebody with a gun. Which is, once again, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope that things like that, like you were saying, that they don't just end up being like gestures, but that right. they actually... Um, exactly. That they change... This is like getting into the politics of like abolition versus reform, right? It's like, uh, yeah. can this can this institution be salvaged? I know how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. And and if we are like once again going back to the idea of policy, you know, I don't know how to get it out there enough. But you know, the next thing that needs to be tackled is the stand your ground laws. Mm-hmm. Those need to go away ASAP because that's just open season on brown people. Um, you know, I see a lot of calls for like reparations and, and things like this, which, you know, partly like, mm, okay. And partly I see confusion, especially when people say like all lives matter mm. that we're oh. just talking about like black people when we're talking about black lives matter. But I think, you know, the sentiment is, is like, you know, it's, It starts with like, it started off with like Black Lives Matter, but it really encompasses anybody, you know, all brown people that are receiving systematic violence. I know the conversation is in there about indigenous people, but, you know, I think a lot of times people don't, you know, they just get focused on the words, Mm. black lives. But I mean, we're talking about the lives that are under attack. Yeah. you know, and which is not all lives, <laughs> right? Which is not all lives. There are a lot of lives that are not under attack, and attack. Um, that is why all right. lives matter is is so particular. It's just such exactly. A, it's, a, it's a fuck you. You know, it's a totally fuck you. I'm is. not taking. I'm not being accountable for exactly. you know my participation um, in the system. And, you know, even as a brown person, like, I would have to say, like, I have to recognize how I'm complicit in the system. Because we all are. We really all are complicit in the system. And a system is built out of individual parts. And as individuals, we're all part of the system. And then we're all contributing to it in a way. You know, even if how we're contributing, you know, like, you can justify the actions of like how you're contributing, it's still a contribution. Like even my silence about race is because I don't want to be the tall poppy and I don't want to be cut down. Mm. That's still my participation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that, that mindfulness is important in this moment and humility is important in this moment. I was wondering if like things are going to get so fucked up that it's going to basically f- 
force people to explode. <laughs> and, mm. and I was just like, well, here's the thing. We can get so, so bad that, you know, things are going to get so, so bad that, like, we have to change. And it's kind of happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, shit is so fucked up that it's going to bounce us once again in, a, in the opposite direction. And, you know, all I can say is if, if, if the Cheeto is reelected, I'm like, foul. <laughs> you guys cheated. I mean, I feel like they cheated the first time. But, yeah. um, you know, this guy has to get out of office. Like, it's... So what should we do about that, Shine? <laughs> what would you well, like people to do in order to make that happen? Well, obviously, vote. Vote. But, but you know, they're making that incredibly difficult right now. It's, uh, yeah, it's outrageous. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, so people have to, like, you know, start, keep yelling yeah. to open those polls back up and keep yelling so we can vote by, by mail because this is some bullshit. They're going to try to steal the office again. Yeah. And it would be nice if this kind of change could be galvanized by something other than things becoming worse than we well, ever thought that we I don't could know. I would say tolerate. Pain mm. is the touchstone of change. Damn. <laughs> Damn. If you're not in pain, why are you going to fix it? Yeah. So... Maybe we just needed to get into enough pain to move forward. I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I also think that like thinking about how we can be, how we can generate resilience and healing from the pain that has occurred so far and the pain that will continue to happen. Life is pain inhales a French cigarette, you know. <laughs> I'm wondering if you would like to speak to being a black filmmaker and a black mm. business owner mm. and a black pornographer in 2020 <laughs> and what that means besides, I'll just go ahead and say, I think that there's a lot of really great discourse out there right now about how if you're confused about how to be an ally, just give black people your money like you know that doesn't ju- that doesn't like don't don't stop there but like if you're wondering what to do right now like yeah. pay a little guilt tax like yeah. uh it's a great place to start um and you know like black business owners black mutual aid funds like all of these things yeah. you can become yeah. a member of pinklabel.tv and there's so many great erotic films on there besides just throwing money at at shine uh and other black artists do you just want like want to speak to that in general right now the significance of that of being a black pornographer and and black filmmaker yeah i'm sure everybody has experienced closed doors but you know Mm. if you're brown black darker you are you i think wind up experiencing more closed doors Mm. than if you were light-skinned. After college, I experienced many, many, many closed doors. (laughs) And um, I can only imagine. So, you know, you get frustrated. And I think, you know, that's the story of the side hustle, right? Mm. Uh, 
make you your know, own damn you have a job but you have yeah you got your side hustle yeah you know i'm like okay this isn't happening so i'm gonna try to do my own thing to avoid closed doors and also quite honestly to avoid the boys club which yeah. is really predominant in film although it is changing but still it's it's still kind of a boys club and i was just like i just don't want to deal with that shit you know i happen to get an opportunity from somebody who already had privilege yeah. <laughs> older white male <laughs> thank you um you know and i took Spread that around i like i you know i took Please. that opportunity you know yeah. and uh it gave me a leg up and then that died and i was just like well Here's my opportunity can be completely 100% self-sufficient. I don't have to ask anybody to greenlight me because I I can't tell you how frustrating it is and humiliating it is to be denied in financial situations. Like I've been, I went to, when I first opened my business bank account, Mm. I went there with that older white man to open up my bank account. Two years later, I went to the same bank or I had that same bank account to open up an additional bank account for a second business, the the other small business that I had. And I had all my paperwork and I was denied. Oh God. And I swear to God, (laughs) it was because I was brown. I took my ass to another branch of that same bank and there happened to be a Latina woman working there. She hooked me up. All the same paperwork. All the same paperwork. So what the fuck is that? And I'm just telling you, like, this is the type of weirdness. And then you think you're crazy. You're like, did I imagine that? Was that Well, real? and that's, that's like society <laughs> gaslighting you, right? Right. And that's the gaslighting. Right. It, you know, and it makes you a little weird and it makes you a little paranoid. And like, you know, quite honestly, you know, for, you know, kind of to tangent, there's so many places that I realize I don't want to go. I don't want to go to little beach beachside shops. I don't want to go into art galleries. I don't want to go into jewelry shops. I don't want to go into fancy clothing stores because mm. I just don't fucking want to deal with it. Oh, man. You know, you know, talk about self-segregation. Mm. You know, and once again, you know, it might be justified, but like, there's my contribution. I will self-segregate, you know, and that's frustrating. Like the whole black people don't that's self-segregating. You might, you know, spin it as like, because black people are better and like, we're not going to do stupid shit, like go out in the snow and do stupid shit. But that is self-segregating. It's self-segregating. Yeah. And in a sense, lighting out on my own and to to make this business is in a weird way also an extension of the self-segregation. I don't want to deal with it. I'll do it myself. And, but I, you know, to, to continue with that, that has also kept me away from the greater part of the industry, which, you know, I've got my reasons for staying away from the greater part of the industry, which is, you know, exploding right now. If you haven't seen what's going on with like XBiz and AVN and like, you know, everybody coming together and being like, no, fuck this. Do you want to, do you want to let listeners know if they, if they just like a, a brief uh, insight into if into what's going on in the adult Basically, entertainment industry of, in twenty. There's a lot, you know, the industry doesn't exist in a vacuum, but like all the same racial and financial inequalities that happen outside of the industry are happening in the industry. Maybe just more, <laughs> not as camouflaged. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, so a lot of people working right now, it's just like, we are not, we're done with the racial slurs. We're, we're done with like, you know, the tokenism. And it's just... 
I think the industry is about to get an overhaul as well, um, which is, like I was saying, one of the reasons why I've stayed away, shied away from the industry yeah. because of certain practices. You know, but it, but that said, that's still kind of keeping me out of the game and keeping me out of creating change. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I've created a small economy mm. and culture over here in this small pocket, but you know, well, who does that benefit? Mostly me. Um, and, I mean, and like the small economy. I mean, we're definitely putting stuff out there and changing people's like minds through the the. Um, through the work that we do, but on an industry level, you know, I have to look at that. How have I contributed to, you know, continuing the bullshit that happens in the mainstream? You I know mean, what I mean? Also, I do know what you mean, but I just want to say that, like, you have created something that is so consistent and sustainable that people can look to, they can look to it as a subculture. They can look to it as a microeconomy they can look to it in terms of the entertainment and the arousal that it has brought them and yeah like you have made your choice that you don't want to like trojan horse and like go into the belly of the beast to like mix mythological metaphors because <laughs> a lot of the time in order to do that you have to make compromises right and then yeah, maybe yeah. you get on the inside and then you change it from the inside and you've kind of maybe shown people that they don't have to make those compromises. You may even also have demonstrated to the people with the money and the power, like, hey, like this is a thing that people continue to um, give their money to and show interest yeah. in. And yeah. uh, you did it without making those compromises. Yeah. So you might have made that change by just well, doing your own thing. Hopefully. <laughs> what is the latest on quarantines of uh, <laughs> Crash Pad series, Pink and White, and uh, and everything that you guys have got going on. Well, if this comes out before the 27th, then you should tune in to Pink Label because we're going to uh, have a live event, our first like live, live event um, and premiere of Chemistry Eases the Pain awesome. at Pink Label. Uh, That's pinklabel.tv, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and then hopefully, like we're we're gonna be releasing maybe in the next month some new content on cool. uh, Crash Pad series and testing out a really ridiculously convoluted way of shooting remotely. <laughs> I can only imagine what so, yeah. how convoluted that might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also maybe represents the way that a lot of people are connecting erotically right now. Exactly. In a convoluted remote way. Yes, very. <laughs> You've always been all about authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> honesty. Honesty, not authenticity. Don't get me on my soapbox. <laughs> An honest story. An honest story yes. out of the raw material of whatever yes. the hell is going on in human life. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. life. Um, and what's going on with the, the film festival? That's August. We're still going ahead with it. So it's going to be online. Once again, it's going to be like live, tune in live, uh, August 20th through the 22nd. We'll announce when, quote unquote, tickets are on sale. Sure. So, you know, you can get the tickets at pink uh, pinklabel.tv. Um, it'll send you over to where the tickets are and then you can check out the pre-show and then you know things will go live on the 20th so we've got like some pretty crazy 
awesome programs. We have like a like Latin American program, so like a bunch of filmmakers like Hell yeah. from Chile, Brazil, and it's it's like I'm I'm like where are all my people? So and we just got this wonderful program. There's also a UK program, um, and just like it's it's international. There's stuff from Athens. It's it's gonna be fun. That is so rad. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And I appreciate all the work that you do so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. And now everyone enjoy <laughs> this thing that sounds really different than we recorded a month ago when the world was really different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now I'm going to turn the tables on you and ask you to give me a clap. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. <laughs> bueno? <laughs> I think so. Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> Shine, what the hell is up? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Anything new? Anything new going on? Oh, God. Well, you know, we're in the apocalypse, the zombie apocalypse. Um, Yes. And, you know, I don't know about anybody else listening, but, you know, right? Are we in nowhere in May? April, March. Okay. Oh my God. Oh God! Yeah, the other yeah. Ma- the other M- it started in March. March. It started in mid March for us. It started the in March. Down. Yeah, for me, um, Friday the thirteenth of March was um, yeah the di- was that the last was the day start. that we all went to that everyone in in my yeah. in my circle went to work and the day before that was the day that I was that I was supposed to go to the Tina Turner musical on Broadway and oh, Broadway no. went black the day that I had tickets to yeah. the Tina show so yeah um yeah but uh yeah so so it's easy for me to remember friday the 13th yeah (laughs) we actually had no school that friday it was like thursday they were like we're gonna have the teacher's gonna have a planning meeting on friday so nobody come to school to figure out what the fuck is gonna happen anyway so yeah it's this is i don't know what day kind of month i lost all track of time yeah Quarantine. Yeah, it's been actually, yeah, it is. It's it's May 11th. So it's been about two months. And how are you holding yeah. up? Well, to be perfectly honest, I was fine for a couple of weeks, maybe the first two or three weeks doing triage. And then I crashed, dude. I mean, like, like, fucking depressed, like crashed, like serious crash. Uh, and it was funny, because like, you know, in those first three weeks, I was like, you know, when you're computer kind of does that spinny wheel thing before it crashes the spinning wheel of death yeah yes yes like it was like those first weeks like dealing with stuff I was like okay I'm trying to assess but I can't so my mind was kind of like the spinny wheel of death and then my brain finally crashed 
And, you know, it was just feeling like completely useless. Like, I mean, I'm not a crier and I'm fucking crying like every other day. I mean, I think that that's good. I endorse a good cry. I have come, I have pushed through a lifetime of internalized misogyny to allow mm. myself to cry. It is a yeah. wonderful release that our bodies have built in. I know. And it's kind of unstoppable, which is like frightening to me. Totally. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> but in the last week or so, I feel like my brain rebooted in safe mode. Mm. So, <laughs> so core functions are there, but most applications are not accessible. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's, maybe that's good. Maybe that's, you're just getting down to basics. Yeah, just super, super, super basics. So Shine Louise Houston is the founding producer and director of Pink and White Productions, which includes CrashPadSeries.com and PinkLabel.tv. During a five-year position at the woman-owned sex toy purveyor Good Vibrations, Shine recognized an underserved demand for an alternative to mainstream pornography. In 2005, she quit her day job to form a porn company, kickstarting a renaissance in queer-made porn. A graduate from the San Francisco Art Institute with a bachelor's in fine art film, Shine has always had a unique vision for adult cinema. Her work has been recognized for its craft and cultural contribution to LGBTQ communities around the world. Shine, what? <laughs> okay, first of all, 2005, it is now 2020, yeah. 15 years of Crash Pad yeah, series. Yeah, that's a weird. Mazel tov. That is such an incredible milestone. You have been wow. producing consistently yeah. with very few breaks that entire span of 15 years is that correct yeah there was a little bit of a a pause in the features for a second but we were always doing the online series crash pad series but yeah so it's been pretty consistent how are you feeling about this milestone it's weird because uh you know when you read it and you say it like that, it's just like, wow, it's this big, amazing thing. And da, da, da. maybe just because like, I don't get a lot of, uh, I mean, we get some response from people and da, 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 da. But, it, but I mean, it's just like, it's just the thing I do. And it's the thing that I'm constantly like, it, who knows, like maybe it's possibly part of imposter sy syndrome. Do you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, ah, I could be doing better. I could always be doing better. Somebody else will be doing it better than me. Do you know what I mean? So I, I feel like I never sure. quite. I've heard of, I've heard yes, of this phenomenon. Yes. Uh, so I, I never feel like I ever give myself that time to pause and be like, pat on the back. Good work. Cause I feel like any second, if I do, Oh, pat on the back. Good work. I'm like, everything is going to fall apart. Um, so it's, I, I have like this internal, like, just keep moving, just keep climbing, just keep going. And, you know, so these, these moments of when people read these things that are so congratulatory, I, I, I almost feel like, no, don't jinx it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, I do know what you mean, but I, I do think that it is possible to honor yourself and congratulate yourself and give yourself a gold star and throw yourself a party whatever that looks like for you without losing momentum, without losing motivation. Like it, it's not, you're not going to go straight from like acknowledging your own hard work to being a slacker. I'm not worried. I mean, I guess some people are like that probably mostly men. 
probably mostly just like i mean i think that that requires like a level of entitlement that i'm just not worried about coming from you also you can let mm. other people celebrate you got it yeah <laughs> and while you while you focus on while you focus on the process that's easy that's fine <laughs> yeah that's totally fine people can totally like say good things all they want like I'm, I'm like i've you know grown enough where i'm like okay i can accept that <laughs> well i am gonna put you in the hot seat i have a feeling that you are the kind of person who really hates when people like throw you a birthday party and then you're just like sitting there like oh god oh god i do i hate it <laughs> but i'm gonna do that right now because uh, yeah. i also love I... you know like forced joy it's like forced humiliation <laughs> i was reflecting on 15 years of crash pad and i was thinking about the number one thing that i've always mm. admired about crash pad and that i admire even more when i think about it in context of the fact that you've been doing it so consistently and successfully for so long you invented and constructed a formula that is mm. so solid and so like structurally simple that it can hold a literally infinite yeah. amount of variation within it. And and for, for folks who are listening to this podcast who have never watched Crash Bad series, who are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's absurd. Please go subscribe to Crash Bad series immediately. <laughs> I can't endorse anything higher than Crash Bad series, truly. I'm slightly biased, but <laughs> but I but I still I feel still think I'm in a position to to endorse it and uh and and just say that <laughs> there is something hot and interesting and mm. groundbreaking and beautiful on there for literally anyone with a pulse. Crash Bed series is a, you know, sort of a somewhat now, I guess, like old fashioned, but shouldn't be old fashioned online membership <laughs> site where you pay a, uh, you pay a, a monthly membership fee. And there's also a, a, a VOD component as well. If you want to go to the, the clip store, which is are, are Crash Pad scenes on pinklabel.tv. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, They're cool. behind about 50 episodes, though. Okay, okay. So if you want cool. all the new stuff, all the new stuff is on Crash Bed series, but then it winds up on Pink Label. It's just there's some lag. Awesome. And so we're going to talk about Pink Label as well, but Crash Pad series, the series itself, which you can access by purchasing a membership on crashpadseries.com, is a site where almost weekly there are new episodes and the premise of every episode is the same, which is there is an apartment in San Francisco where queers of all kinds can get a key and then like like the title implies the crash pad title implies they can use the space for hookups and so when adult performers are cast on for for the series they're basically allowed and i am speaking from personal experience here which we'll get into the performers are essentially allowed with some limitations to have whatever <laughs> kind of sex they want to have on the set. The set is 
always the same. I mean, the location of your set has changed a few times over 15 years, but but it, it's essentially constructed the same where it's a, a big comfy bed in a sparsely designed room. And so your yeah. your production style is the same for every scene, no matter who the people are, <laughs> no matter what the dynamics are you are essentially taking this like almost documentarian or like cinema verite mm-hmm. like a pro approach to the sex that is happening and just letting the people have the sex and you're you know the performers are aware obviously that they're on a set and there's you know, there's camera people, there's lighting, there's photographers, you know, and there's Shine, the dire- who directs every episode, yeah. but they all recede into the background more than any porn performance that I've ever experienced. And so, and so, w- so when you're watching it, I'm speaking obviously as somebody who has performed on the site several times and, uh, and also somebody who uh, regularly watches the, the series, mm-hmm. You know, when you're watching it, because the production formula is the same every time, those details also recede into the background when when you're watching it. And then it, it means that the, the, the performers and all of the variations of the bodies and the dynamics and the acts that are happening pops so much, so, so much more. And all of the focus is on them and what they're yeah. doing. And, and so I, I think that like, from a production perspective, it's so genius because you you're you're cutting out all of the noise and keep it you're able yeah. to it it seems to me that you're able to keep things indie, to keep things from getting bloated or complicated yeah. by just sticking to this formula that works. And then as a viewer, it's also just like very comforting in the same way that I don't know, like a TV, like a very formulaic TV show that people <laughs> find comforting, like dare I say it, like a procedural, like Law and Order, yeah, basically yeah, the Law and Order of porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when you tune in, it's like you're not all of that other noise. Yeah. Uh, it, it just again like fades away, and you're able to focus on like the things that are changing, yeah. which in this case is so significant because what is changing is this literally endless variety of sexual expression. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so that's, that is what I, that is my review yeah. <laughs> of Crash Bad series. That is my tribute um, to you. And the, and the thing that I've just, I've always admired and honestly reflecting on it being 15 years, it's like, it is, it is like, comfort food and it's mm. i'm just, just so amazed that you've been able to continue to do it for so long yeah. so can you can you talk a little bit about how you came up with that original idea okay i will start the story with my favorite joke great how many producers does it take to screw in a light bulb mm. do we need that light bulb <laughs> And that's literally how I came up with the idea. So, I mean, the original thing that I had written, I was already thinking, okay, how do I keep this in one location? So I was like, all right, motel sex. It's like, it all happens in a motel. But even I I was like, okay, it has to be even simpler than this. And so really it was a, 
it was a production consideration. I need one location. Yeah. And what location can I get? This is such a like form follows function yeah. kind of creativity. Yeah. I was like, okay. And like, how do I don't, you know, if it's a motel, you kind of have to set things up. That is motel. Da, 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 da. So anyway, I had to pare down my idea and keep paring it down and paring it down and like, you know, consider how much money and time and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and that's kind of how the original idea happened. I mean, the voyeur part was already there, like when I was kind of first conceiving it, that like, you know, video cameras. So the, yeah, voyeurism has always been a an element of yeah. the themes of the, yeah. of the brands of the of the style of yeah what Crashpad is, is or the, yeah. the, con- the context of voyeurism is a theme, I should say. Yeah. And I, let me come back to that because that's a longer story because that goes totally back to some college stuff. So so we made the original Crashpad, you know, voyeur, obviously the cameras and stuff were originally a part of it. And then, you know, we made a couple more films after that and, you know, decided to p- take the plunge into online membership, which was kind of good timing because that was right around when DVDs were crashing the first, you know, and the first Google algorithm kind of took a lot of things out. When we're first thinking about the series, the web series, it was going to be a little bit more dramatic and it was going to have all these kind of character threads and things like this. And from a production standpoint, it was kind of too hard to keep up. And I realized... It was kind of like boot camp, but here are the things that kind of wound up taking away from it. One, I need to take myself out of the out of the equation as a director. Mm. If that if mm. that makes sense, <laughs> I had to, as a director, I had to take myself out of the equation. Say say more about that. I didn't want my biases mm. in the casting, in what they wanted, what people. And here's something that I found out, like with with. A lot of I had experiences with professionals that like if you tell them what to do, they'll just keep doing that. They won't kind of riff. Mm. If you have amateurs and you tell them what to do, they ignore it and do what the fuck they want anyway. <laughs> so and you're like, fuck. Um, so what so I found with Crash Pad series, the more that I took myself out, the the more you know it was the more organic the the scene can be and and what i found is what i i didn't need to control the the scenario or the acts or anything like the only thing i need to do is control the cameras mm-hmm. and through controlling the cameras and kind of you know building my own language like i had gotten a, uh, the basics of a particular shooting style or system from Tony mm. Comstock and we brought that to Crash Pit series and over the years kind of really understanding hmm how does this work for us how can we utilize this for what we shoot and you know it was I feel like it took the first few years even to really really learn what it means to create a narrative in a sex scene Mm. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about like people talking, not that type of narrative. I'm talking about like the story of what's happening between the 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 two players. You know what I mean? Between the talent. Yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of the narrative premise of porn is just that. It's a premise. It's a setup, and then the sex starts, and like sometimes. 
the the performers keep the themes consistent like they will say like while they're fucking they'll be like i can't believe i'm fucking my stepmom you know but right, like, right. <laughs> a, a, like a lot a lot of the time there's a setup like the guy shows up to fix the cable and and then the performers have sex but it could be the it could have been the pizza guy it could have been yeah <laughs> the stepdad right. it could have been it could have been anybody and mm-hmm. and so like the narrative that bodies make and the narrative of like the dynamic between the performers however whether it's even if it's somebody's dynamic with themselves or yeah two people or three people or an orgy which you've done (laughs) yeah there is a narrative and sort of like i mean sort of like with this podcast you're gathering like the raw material of a of a conversation and in this in, Mm -hmm. in the in the case of porn in the case of crash bad that conversation is a physical sexual conversation and then you're you're constructing Mm -hmm. a narrative out of that and good point though it's constructed and i think that's another thing that people don't realize it is constructed Mm. i think a lot of people are like oh it's so real and authentic and da 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 and i'm like yes because i just created a story Mm. that you could relate to Mm. do you know what i mean so i mean take for instance a lot of people come in and like maybe they do they have a dynamic and we're like oh we're coming from a party but the real story is when they start to shed those characters Mm. and the interesting parts are when they start not being the character and kind of like joking as themselves joking about being the character and so those are the bits where i'm like okay here's the story Mm. and it's very interesting because like when i'm thinking about you know, the scene as not only physical, but verbal and da 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 da. So somebody does something, something reacts. That yeah. person then throws the ball back. And right. then, you know, it's throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. You know, whether it's verbal or like a look or anything like that, there's like, there's the action, that person's reaction, and then their response, and then that person's reaction, and then their response. And that's, that's all I'm doing through the edit yeah. is like, oh, response, action, response, action. And that's seriously the basics of editing, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, juxtaposition of images that create a story. Yeah. So when we're talking about film and construction and like, it's so real, it's like, yeah, because I just constructed this thing that you, in a language that you're familiar with. Well, you know, it's so funny because you brought up the fact that Crashpad features both amateurs and professionals and obviously we could complicate those categories but it is distinct in that way that there there are on crash pad you know you can see some of the most experienced legendary professionals to ever work in adult film like nina hartley um and then there are folks who this is maybe the only time they will ever appear in adult film yeah you know there's so much conversation and conversations around the ethics of porn and what makes porn feminist of you know you already you already brought up this idea of authenticity which i've seen you speak on complicated (laughs) of of authenticity at the feminist porn conference i'm sure elsewhere i also am always sort of like resisting 
the the like easy pat narrative that I see from folks who are trying their hand at talking about porn but don't really know what they're talking about where they're like oh well mm-hmm. amateur porn is uh, is always more real or authentic and yeah. like um, more ethical to watch than professionals because you know and that gets into <laughs> yeah, like what yeah. people think about like in horophobia and uh, you yeah. know people assuming that professionals are being exploited because there's money involved but anyway but like truly like what (laughs) but um (laughs) but but something but something that I think that you're really hitting on in talking about your process is that a seasoned professional like Nina Hartley knows how to perform in a Mm. way that then gives you the the director the ability to to access like raw material to build a story which is what your craft is mm. that's what the production is that's what the work the labor that yeah. that you guys are are doing and collaborating on together whereas an amateur not you know and this is not all am- hashtag not all amateurs but like an amateur might be so self-conscious of yeah. you that yeah. they that they are trying to perform something mm-hmm. or are not yeah. able to let go in the way that yeah that, again for example nina hartley uh, is 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 able to because of her experience yeah. and expertise yeah and then you might have you might actually end up with something that is that 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 doesn't feel as doesn't have as much like vitality I've, I've totally experienced what you're describing. Yes. <laughs> and it's yeah. hard to edit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so, but and, the, and the idea that like performance makes something phony, I think is no. like, is totally of a, a fallacy. You can have an I, honest performance. I feel like, you know, a really wonderful performer can give within their boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want you to give so much that you feel like you've gone over a line but it's great to have a performer who can give easily within their capabilities and have fun with that and I've also had experiences with performers who were so nervous and so self-conscious that trying to edit it that looks like the person is being exploited <laughs> because they totally. look so uncomfortable. I mean, they want to be there and they wanted to do this and stuff, but you know, their, their body language and facial expressions are playing a different story. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And, and like, I do, ooh, I do. I think, yeah, how do exactly I cut around this? About. How do I cut around this? Because of this face or this, this reads, it reads, as uncomfortability like and 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 the screen can amplify the smallest details yeah do you know what i mean just the way somebody turns their head or the way they did something with their mouth you're like fuck okay (laughs) (laughs) all right let me i'm gonna you know and then you have to fine tune and do all this kind of stuff and it's really it's kind of hard to teach i'm actually working with a new editor and it's really hard to teach those nuances, like to look mm. for those and like where, where and how to cut to match action and how to cheat things. I, I take it for granted. Yeah. I have this library, this index of tools and, and, and things that I just want to take sometimes just take everything out of my head and just input it directly into their head. 
um, (laughs) because words also, words just don't really describe. Mm. Um, I would say that I'm, you know, very intuitive editor. I feel things like I feel it. I'm like, Ooh, that rhythm is off. I feel that rhythm is off. I feel that that look is off. I feel, you know, that's kind of how I edit. And I feel like, you know, I, I learned a lot from all the years of, of editing Crashpad. And then, you know, at some point I'm like, okay, this is all I can learn. Um, and I started handing off the editing to other people. Um, and, you know, taking my pursuit of like, hey, there are things I want to do. It doesn't fit really into the machinery of Crashpad series. So, you know, I experiment in other projects and still pushing my ideas of, of narrative within sex and what does that mean and how do we do this and, uh, you know, other skills that I feel like I needed to really sharpen and establish and... You know, it's just, it's, like I said, it's, it's hard to impart that knowledge where, you know, I feel like for me, it's such a feeling. If I watch it and I'm, I kind of forget that I'm watching anything, that's great. But there will be moments where I was like, bing, ooh, I just got pulled out of my experience. And that's when I got to go back and like smooth that edit. And this is something funny that I, that I see in some edits, either first time filmmakers or even like. <laughs> actually particularly like in Hollywood because like they don't make a narrative out of the sex it's just a bunch of pretty pictures kind of like slapped together <laughs> which is fine but <laughs> it doesn't pull me into what's happening and I don't have that suspension of disbelief that really gets me into the scene I'm like oh my god now I, the psychology of this is really hot so like now it's actually really really what they're doing is really really hot do you know what I mean and it's not, I'm not hot talking take, like hot I need... take from Shine Lewis Houston. Hollywood is fine. Yeah. But like, you know, there's, um, and I'm not saying. Porn like has I need... ruined you. No, but I, I'm not saying like I need romance or anything like that or like a high narrative, but I just need to be pulled into something. And if it's just yeah. jump cut after jump cut after jump cut, I'm like, eh, eh. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that you're also speaking to what people enjoy about watching porn and the way that it is so I think that it is undervalued as an engrossing medium of film like Mm. when I watch porn I feel totally engrossed and I know that I know that part of that is that I am watching sex and watching sex is exciting, but part of it I think also is exactly what you're describing, that there is a narrative and the way that it is shot and edited that just, I mean, it, to me it's escapism in a good way, like escapism mm-hmm. in the sense that that you are watching something that is con- that is built to take your consciousness away from the drudgery of daily mm. life for a while. Mm. Yeah, just for a minute. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.